Today's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18. You can find it on page 622. For you create my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When there, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my informed body. All the days were needed for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts to me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, I would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 27, and that can be found on page 1151 of your Pew Bibles. <clears throat> there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everything, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 
Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Did I do that? (laughs) Um, So we have been talking for the last couple of weeks about the church, um, what it is and what it does. Um, And one of the things that the church is, is a community. Pretty simple. Um, When I was a kid, I used to get all in a huff about a lot of things. You may have noticed I have a lot of opinions. (laughs) But... uh, but when I was a kid, I used to get mad about people coming to church like for their friends, like, you should go for God, um, or whatever I was mad about. Um, and there's like a little bit of truth to that. But here's the thing, like our life together as a community, the community that we build as a worshiping body, is one of the primary ways that we both experience God and put God on display for the rest of the world. The community that we have here is not separate from God's presence in the church. The two are deeply connected. We often talk about how you can't separate love God and love neighbor. They are just so intertwined. And the same is true about the community here. And that's all over 1 Corinthians 12, which you just heard from Lucas. Um, Every one of us has gifts to share, Paul says, and every one of those gifts is given by the same God as a manifestation of the Spirit. A manifestation of the Spirit, as in your gifts, are one of the ways that the Spirit shows up visibly, tangibly in our midst. We used to be able to see, you know, there was one moment in history where the Spirit showed up in tongues of fire. And now those tongues of fire are visible in your gifts. And when we all move together, using our gifts and allowing others to use theirs, we are nothing less than the body of Christ in the world. Our community is one of the ways that God shows up. Sometimes when we are wondering where God is in the world in the face of such evil, the answer is that God is right here, in us, in the way that we are together and the way that we move out into the world. Now, as with many um, Christian virtues, talking about community always sounds really nice, right? Like, oh, it'd be so good to just be together and to be intimate. And the real thing, it turns out, is really, really hard. Like, any kind of intimacy between people is risky. And the people with whom you are closest to can hurt you the worst and often do. Part of the difficulty of church community is just being with people with whom you wouldn't necessarily choose to be stuck with. Or finding out that the people that you chose aren't quite the people that you thought they were. It means irritation and difficult conversations, misunderstandings, conflict, even feeling betrayed. And the group always changes. And so it's a constant need for hospitality. Every new person makes a community a new thing. And sometimes that adjustment can be difficult. And all of this can make it tempting to shy away, right? To keep everyone at a distance. To try to find a church full of easier people. Or to just skip the thing altogether. 
I don't know, maybe that's why some of you are on Zoom. <laughs> I'm not trying to pick on you. Uh, <laughs> but intimacy, as it, like it turns out, is also the only context in which we can heal and grow. It is the only way that we can find a sense of belonging, and we are desperate for belonging. You know, it's so easy to end relationships these days. Unfriend people on Facebook, go find another group of people who seems more like-minded, more comfortable, who will understand us more and not be so irritating. But I think all of that is a lie. The easier it is for us to disconnect, the less connected we will feel all the time. It can always happen to us. And these days, we are lonelier than ever. Now, that's part of why um, I like the idea of church membership. Um, I'm sure a lot of you balk at the idea of being a member of a church or kind of like, why? What's the point of this? Um, I actually have some baggage with it because of the way church can be so exclusive. Um, but the thing I like about membership is that it signifies a higher level of commitment. And commitment changes relationships. I don't know if I've told you this before, but uh, Tony and I are silly. <laughs> we had, <laughs> we had a, um, a pretty rocky dating relationship. If you're just visiting or new, Tony and I are co-pastors and we're married. Um, so anyway, we had a super rocky dating relationship. Like we broke up for a whole year. It's very dramatic. We were always kind of on the brink of breakup. And at one point, we decided that we were not going to break up for three months. <laughs> we just wanted to see what would happen if we just, like, here, we're staying together for this period of time. Um, and it was amazing how it changed things. Like, all of a sudden, I wasn't afraid to speak my mind. Because I knew that if Tony got mad at me, he would have time to get over it. I could be honest in a way that I had been scared to before that, when breaking up was on the table, when it was a decision, about always a decision, about whether or not we should stay together. At some point, you have to stop making that decision so that you can be together. And that's what marriage has done for us, really. We've had a way better marriage, because now we know, you're the person that I love. Doesn't matter, I'm not making this decision anymore. Now, church membership sort of, kind of half, not even half, gives you a little bit of that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's largely symbolic, but it's a decision that you have to make to be committed to one another. And I hope that it at least makes it a little bit more difficult for you to walk away when things get hard. Um, I've come to believe that the difficult parts of our community life of church life and of marriage too, that those are actually the most important parts. When our differences create tension for us, those are the moments when we have the greatest opportunity for growth, for connection, for discipleship. And that's when you learn humility and patience, gentleness, self-control. And it's not fun. It's usually not fun. But Paul seems to say that if we want true unity, you have to have difference. You can't have unity if everyone is the same. Advertisements tell us that you know, there's safety in being just like everyone else. Facebook selects the posts that we see so that whatever we see lines up with whatever we already think, or is like, makes us just mad enough to engage 
but then it'll back off, right? All sorts of algorithms are drawing us into communities of people just like us, showing us that the world is made just for us. And even our churches are that way now, right? Sherman Street's a little more homogenous than I like, but still we have plenty of difference to deal with and that's good because Paul seems to say if we really want connection, we will only find it in difference. And when it becomes sameness, it becomes gruesome. Instead of a body with different parts all connected and serving one another, you end up with a pile of eyes on the floor, a pile of ears. It's grotesque, right? What we actually need is all the different kinds of gifts, which means all the different kinds of people and different perspectives, because all the diversity in the world comes straight from the heart of God. In verses four, five, and six, Paul points to that diversity that exists within God's self. Um, There are so many different kinds of good things that we can do in the world, he says, and they are all from the same spirit, under the same Lord, and in each one, the same God is at work. Do you see what he did there? Paul got Trinitarian. Because the person of God is foundational to how we understand ourselves and our communities. And Christians believe that there is one God and no other besides and that that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the three exist in a divine dance, always giving themselves to the other. And that their dance is so intimate that they are one. God is unity and diversity. Three persons, one God. God is relationship in God's self. God is love. So it makes sense that anyone who was created out of this perfect dance of love would crave belonging and intimacy and connection and that they might even die without it. And we do. A couple of days ago, the Wall Street Journal had an article that said um, that we are a lonely country and that if you are chronically lonely, you are at greater risk of death from any cause. We were made for love, by love, and so we need it. And we weren't just made to love ourselves or slightly different versions of ourselves. We were made to love others, to find our place among them, to be unique among them and still connected. God's kingdom is characterized all through the scriptures by peaceful relationships, and Christ's work on the cross was a work of reconciliation. All the sin that we talk about, it's all just stuff that breaks relationships, that breaks wholeness. So on the cross, Jesus made us right with God and right with one another so that we could live whole again, connected again. God calls us to move in that direction now, to struggle through the difficulty of community, to learn to love each other, inching slowly towards the peace of the coming kingdom. In Paul's letters to the Corinthians, they tell us that um, that church was struggling with divisions between them, which is just like every other church that has ever existed. They were elevating some gifts above others and taking communion in a way that gave priority to the rich and and denigrated the poor. Um, They were like doing the stuff that everybody does, setting a bar for everyone to meet and ranking themselves against it, right? 
And so Paul says, like, no, you are all part of the same body. And that body needs you to be exactly who you are. You know, some things work well when they're all the same, like plates. Plates stack nicely when they're all the same, right? I have 12 plates that match, and I like it because they make a little, and I can grab them easy. They look the same on the table. But the church is not a stack of plates. The church is a body, a living, breathing, moving body. And every part needs to be just the part that it is to make the thing work. Anything that might rank us is dissolved, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, and all are united in one body under one spirit. But the parts still need to uniquely be themselves in relationship with others who are uniquely themselves. Real community does not require you to stack like a plate, as seamless and easy as that might be. It requires you to work together like a body so that you can live. In the next two paragraphs, Paul talks about a couple of ways that, that we can kind of mess with the working of the body, right? First by trying to exclude ourselves, and then he talks about trying to exclude others, um, both of which will hobble the body of Christ. Uh, verse 15 says, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. I love that he's just like gone absurdist on us. He's like... It would be ridiculous, right, for a foot to wish to be a hand. You need a foot. And it like, it's just a foot, that's what it is. It's not worse than a hand, it's just different. And also, like, as ridiculous as it sounds, I know that insecurity. Um, maybe I'm not enough. It has a darker underside to it, though, too. It's also envy. It's also disdaining something that God has made because God made you just as you are, as we heard from Hazel this morning. I've spent a lot of years comparing myself to Tony. Um, Tony is so accepting and kind. You know, he so easily sees the good in all the people. Sometimes he'll come home and be like, Jen, I met this person, I think we should be friends. And I'll be like, I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. You love every person the same. <laughs> and that's like, just a lot harder for me. I'm just not as like generous in the way that he is. I'm not as personable. Um, he gets energy from other people and I need to be alone. And I spent a lot of time feeling guilty about that. And a lot of time harming myself trying to be more like him. And over the years, like slowly and painfully, um, I've been learning. Actually, I do still love people deeply. And the gifts that I can best give to the body, which turns out are preaching and writing, those things require a lot of time alone. I felt selfish. Um, or something. But the truth is, it's who I am. And it's who God has, like, what God has given me to do. And I love that. I feel grateful that that's my calling, right? And it requires me to be what I am. 
And I, but I've got to own it. And then I've got to turn and celebrate the ways that Tony is different from me. And allow that to be true for him. Right? Even when it creates tension for us, like, can we please leave the party already? <laughs> or, or like, no, you can't invite more people to someone else's party. <laughs> He will forever include everyone. Like, it's so beautiful. And it's frustrating sometimes, right? But it's important for me to allow him to be what he is. And it's important for him to allow me to be what I am. And that's what we do here. And sometimes it's really tough. If I spend all my time trying to be like Tony, I won't do the thing I need to do, and the body will suffer like a foot trying to wave hello or an eye trying its best to listen to a symphony. It's ridiculous. And the same is true for you. The more you think other gifts are better or other people are better or the more you try to be what they are, the more you will be frustrated and ineffective. You will burn yourself out. Turns out that God has made you the way that you are on purpose. You have something unique to give to the body of Christ. And if you don't, the body will miss out. And since the, this body is one of the ways that God shows up in the world, the world will miss out. It's not the same thing as going through life saying like, that's just who I am, deal with it, whenever you're like mean to someone. That's not right either, right? The spirit gives gifts for the sake of the common good. Own those things, right? Sin rips and tears at community. Repent of those things. That's how you tell the difference. Look for the place where you can best serve others, and you will find your place in the body. And it will be different than what others do. God has placed the parts, of, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, Paul says, just as he wanted them to be, including you. The next section, Paul turns it around and makes it about the ways that we exclude other people because they're not like us for whatever reason. Um, I bet that you can all think of some part of this body that maybe you think we don't need. Maybe it would be better if they weren't here. Or at least you're tempted to kind of dismiss them. Paul talks about the parts that seem weaker and the parts that we feel ashamed of. Have you got anyone in mind? He says those parts are the parts that we need the most. Um, in my Psych 101 class, I read about this study that has never really left me. Um, several groups of people, so they had like, I don't know, eight groups, I just made that up. They had a bunch of groups. Um, they were given a problem to solve. And in half of the groups, they secretly placed a devil's advocate, um, someone whose job it was to argue with everything that everyone else said. Uh, so fun <laughs> to be in that group, right? <laughs> uh, when they evaluated the solutions that the groups came up with, um, the groups with the devil's advocate consistently came up with stronger, more sustainable solutions. And then they gave each group the opportunity to vote someone out of their group. I'm sure you can imagine what happened. Every single group voted out the devil's advocate. Every group. They voted out the person who made them the strongest. 
Our greatest challengers are our greatest teachers. And they can be infuriating. And right now, more than ever, we have the ability to vote them out of our lives if we want. I am convinced that our cultural pursuit of sameness and comfort is leaving us spiritually stunted and immature. Ephesians 4, which is a passage about exactly this same thing, um, says this. From Christ, the whole body, joined together, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does, it, does its work. We reach maturity through the difference, he's saying. When you are with people who are just like you, it's really easy to convince yourself that you are patient and kind. You have got all the virtues down, right? It's the frustrating ones who show you what's true. And it's the struggle to love people who are different from you, the struggle to find Christ in them that will really teach you to love. In Luke 6, Jesus says, what good is it if you love those who love you? Anyone can do that. You should love your enemies. Do good to them. Just like community, things like forgiveness and patience and reconciliation, they sound really nice until you actually have to do them. And then they hurt. But that's how we learn the way of the kingdom. That's how we learn to love as God loves. And at the end of that, we don't just have pain, we have love, which is what we want in the first place. It's what all of our songs are about, all of our stories. We do life together because we are connected to one another in Christ. As a foot is connected to the hand and an ear, eye is connected to an ear, because our well-being depends on the well-being of our siblings in Christ. And because we need all the parts of the body if we ever hope to be the full presence of Christ in the world. The work of the Spirit cannot be done by one Christian alone or even by one kind of Christian. We need each other. And even if you're not convinced of that, God has called us together. So we are together. The text is very much like, even if you think you don't need a foot, it's not gonna stop it from being a part of a body. We're just invited to find the beauty in the oneness that God has created, to find intimacy in it and maturity to find Christ in it, and to let Christ be seen in it, to live in love as God does. We've got to show up as uniquely ourselves and also walk with enough humility that we can make space for others to show up as uniquely themselves. It is an invitation to enter God's peaceful, peaceful kingdom now by learning to be at peace with one another and by extending to others the grace that God has extended to us. It's our opportunity to have and to give true connection in an increasingly lonely world. And it's our opportunity to let Christ be present tangibly 
as each of the different parts of the body work together. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for those who um, don't know what it means to uh, serve others or to have a gift, or if they have a gift, um, I pray that your spirit would show them um, what you have given them and call them forward. And I pray for those who are um, anxiously doing all the things, uh, maybe more than they're called to. And I pray that your spirit would give them the courage to step back. Lord, may we be your body. May we see you clearly in the ways that we are together. In Jesus' name.